Better Call Paul is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. Hey, everyone. This is Paul Sarker from Better Call Paul. Just wanted to remind you that the show is intended for entertainment purposes only and is not legal advice. I am not your lawyer unless we separately agree for me to represent you. And the views expressed by Mesh and me are solely our own. Hey everyone, welcome back to Better Call Paul, the show where we discuss the legal and business side behind the scenes of Hollywood sports and entertainment. I'm your co-host, former Marvel lawyer, current big law media attorney, Paul Sarker. And I'm your other co-host, Mesh Lakani. Welcome back to the show, folks. Paul, how's it going? Going well. You know, it's brutally cold, I gotta say, um, in New York, especially after spending a bunch of time in, in L.A., But I want to do a quick shout out. Thank you to the NHL. So they have an annual stadium series where they do an outdoor hockey game in like a baseball or football arena. That sounds fun. And this year it was at MetLife Stadium this weekend. And we're honored to be their guests. So we had a great time watching the Flyers and the Devils. Super cold. It was like game probably started. It was 28 degrees and then it just dropped from there. But it was preceded by a Jonas Brothers concert. No way. Yeah. Oh, you watched the Jonas Brothers play as well. Yeah. And Jess is a huge Jonas Brothers fan. And they're actually from New Jersey, like 15 minutes from the Meadowlands. So it was like a dream come true for them, too. So it was great. I would watch the Jonas Brothers. They've got enough songs. They seem like good entertainers. That sounds like an overall great way to spend afternoon to evening with the family. I will back you up on how cold it got. Thankfully, we were in a suite. So okay, we, there you go. we didn't have to deal with the elements unless we wanted to. So Jess is a much bigger Jonas Brothers fan than I am. But I will say I knew pretty much every song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they did about an hour and 15 minute set. And they also did Cake by the Ocean, which I was hoping that they were going to do because that's not really a Jonas Brothers song. Yeah, yeah, they cover that now. Yeah. I'm a fan of Joe Jonas. I think Joe Jonas is a stud. He's got some good vocals on him. I, I, I enjoy watching his performances on TikTok, of course. But yeah, that's that sounds like a really fun event to go to. Speaking of fun events, Met Gala, which will be on May 6th, was announced. I didn't even know the gala had these co-chairs, but the co-chairs are... Bad Bunny, Chris Hemsworth, Jennifer Lopez, Zendaya, and of course, Anna Wintour. And the theme is Sleeping Beauty's Reawakening Fashion. And when I read into it, I did think it was actually pretty cool. It says, it's a celebration of clothing and fashion so fragile that it can't ever be worn again. Scream sustainability to me. Yes, I think so. So, um, But it's also, there's a, there's a secondary theme on this, okay, which is... The short story from J.G. Ballard, Garden of Time. Yes. Which is like this dystopian yes. short story where I'm picturing like the Bellagio lobby where there's like all these glass flowers. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, sort yeah. Of suspended above you. And if you, you have to like pick them to extend time and it's very dystopian. So I'm looking forward to it. And the sub themes are land, sea, and sky. I think I would be sea. Yeah, I think that's a good one. If I were invited. (laughs) You know, I never really paid attention to the Met Gala. I mean, now we're doing it. We we covered a bit here and there. This is the first time I've actually read about a theme before the gala happens. And I think the theme is interesting because now going into it, I'm going to be watching, did people pay attention to the theme and did they get it right? Yeah, I mean, Jess Jess, more than me, but Jess has opened my eyes to the Met. I mean, we go there a lot. Yes. Members. Anything to support the organization, I think, is is a, is a net positive. I mean, maybe tickets or I think we're 50 grand last year. Wow. I don't know if they'll be this year. That's like Super Bowl. That's Super Bowl ticket level. 
Super Bowl like front row. Yeah, I mean it's more of a like I'm sure a lot of people get invited and they don't have to pay, but sure. like, I think if you wanted to go or if you were able to get a ticket and you weren't an invited guest, 50 grand. But yeah, you said as you said, Chris Hemsworth, Bad Bunny, J Lo, Zendaya, great co-chairs. I think they greet people when they arrive. Yeah, like it seems like it's like they'll welcome the guests, and I wonder if they have a say in, uh, you know, maybe. The themes are like their dress. I, I don't know what a co-chair exactly does. No, but it seems like a fun committee to put together, right? Yeah, it seems like it's a cool it's a cool group. Yeah, I like it. It's very uh, diverse, eclectic. I haven't heard a lot from Hemsworth in a minute, so. No, it's been a while. I mean, the last thing he did that was big was the Thor movie that was, you know, not that well received. But since then. Well, he did get a polynom for extra- Extraction 2. Ex- oh, that's right. Of course, ex- Extraction 2. But uh, yeah, it would be nice to see him back in, back in action. Speaking of action, Madam Web Marvel movie that was released recently. Dakota Johnson starring as Madam Web. Sydney Sweeney. Isabella Merced. I actually thought the cast wasn't that bad. Tahir Raman and Mike Epps. Yeah, Mike Mike Epps is in this movie. Okay, here here's the funny thing about this movie. Before I get into the details of this movie, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like I was walk, walking once, and you know I pay attention to what's happening, especially with like movie releases. And suddenly there was just a poster of this movie. I, I watched a trailer for it, and you kind of got the vibe like maybe they aren't doing that much marketing here. Sydney Sweeney's coming off of you know a movie that did very well like TikTok virality wise. Dakota Johnson's been doing the, the the press circuit. Man, this movie came out. I've got to say it's one of the worst reviews. It got 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. 13. Oh, it went down. Okay, wow. It started yeah, off at 16% now. and then is now at 13%. Now that's critic score. Audience score is 53. Sure. The audience score is a little bit more forgiving. Just to take a step back. So the reason we're bringing this up is because you know we haven't really discussed box office this year. Yeah. Technically, it's considered for box office purposes a four-day weekend. Yeah. Because you have President's Day. And a lot of movies released this week come out on Valentine's Day to really get like a supercharged like six-day run for this week. Because a lot of people, you know, Valentine's Day is midweek date night. A lot of people go to the movies on a Tuesday more so than they otherwise would. So a bunch of movies came out this week that were anticipated. The most important, I think, being One Love, but then Madam Web, which is in the Spider-Man, the Sony Spider-Man universe, came out this week as well. And as you said, did not do well. No. It's tracking at like 24 million. Yeah. Which is the lowest (laughs) Spider-Man, you know, by far. I mean, we're talking about like in the same franchise as Homecoming, Far From Home, No Way Home. No Way Home did like, 260 million opening weekend for comparison. I think Madam Web at this point is tracking that 20-ish million. It's only done 12.5 million so far as of the recent update. And it costs $80 million to make. That doesn't include marketing costs. There's rumors that it costs north of 100. Well, that would make sense with marketing and everything like that. So No, no. The the production. Oh, really? Ooh, man. There, there's rumors that the production was 100 and the marketing was 60. And the marketing, oh, no. 60 million, was 75% allocated to social media and TikTok, right? So that's why if you were not on social, you may not have heard about this movie until now, right? <laughs> when everyone started talking about it. Yeah. And then it's interesting, and Je- Jessica actually told me about this. So Dakota Johnson fired her team when the trailer came out. Really? She moved from WME to CAA because she was like, 
apparently, and I haven't, I haven't confirmed this, but there's this rumor floating around that she didn't know it was a Sony standalone Marvel movie, and she thought it was like in oh, the MCU, part of and like that she MCU, was going to be yeah. brought into the MCU, and it's really no, like this is kind of. The Sony. It's kind of like a, like universe. how a Venom standalone movie exists. Sony, right, yeah. right, yeah. Or like a Morbius. They, so they have three movies coming out this year. They have this Madam Web, Craven the Hunter with Aaron Taylor Johnson, That's right. and Venom Three with Thomas Hardy. And this was, I mean, I don't think they're making a sequel. No, I no. I mean, this movie was so like. There's a guy on TikTok, Soups. If you if you guys are ever interested in like super comic book uh, insights. Soups is the guy who like does all the trailer stuff. He, he seems like a really lovely guy. He's very positive. He, he's discussing the movie. He does his review and he starts it off like by saying, you know, just want to give, you know, applaud uh, to everyone involved in this movie and the productions and the cast and like the comments are already like, oh man, when you start off, uh, when you start off a post like that, you know, it's going to be bad. And then he goes and says, I really don't want to be negative, but this was the worst movie, the worst superhero movie I've ever seen. And I think that basically was supported by the guys at the Ringerverse. So yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know why they'd rush something. It's crazy to me that with such big money at hand, people still rush things like scripts and production. And I know that like, there's a lot of like delays they, and stuff. I don't know if they rushed it or not. I wasn't it, aware it's, of that. It's, but... I'm not saying like, I'm not saying that that was actually the news. It seems like did anyone review this script or anything before releasing it? You know what I mean? So speaking of head scratchers, um, listen, not to, it's the same writing team that did Morbius. And right. Morbius <laughs> was like prior to this, Bill like Morbius, the worst reviewed yeah. movie. And so that's Matt Sazama and oh, Buck Sharpless. Man. And it's like, maybe they have some sort of like compromising footage of the Sony executives. Cause I don't know how they got another script deal yeah. after this unless it was already sort of in the game right. but people and so i didn't really dig into it until you started you know hearing it's some more it's like one of those like car accident you can't look away when you're driving past on the freeway like this movie yeah is so bad and it's performing really poorly in box office no one really likes it and then you watch the trailer and you're like what were they thinking and then there's this line which wasn't even in the movie about how Dakota Johnson's mom got killed when she was looking for spiders in the Amazon yes, by yes, this guy yes, who yes, is yes. the villain of the movie. Yes. And it was like right before she was born. So I think there's a couple things going on here. But one, I mean, it wasn't a great weekend for the box office overall. I mean, it could have been if this movie performed. Two, I think there's some fatigue. Three, they took too many deviations from the source material. Yeah. And people are like, you know, if you're a true comic fan, then you're not thrilled about it because it's like Madam Web is blind and she's older and she's like a clairvoyant and not some like young millennial paramedic. And then it's too much going on. They're trying to launch these three new spider women. It doesn't I work. Mean, it just doesn't work. And, didn't work. and, and the didn't crowd, work. like the fact that people are saying Morbius is better than Madam Web is that's saying something. Cause as you said, Morbius was the worst movie, superhero movie, and now it's been taken by Madam Web. Maybe Madam Web is up there with Electra and Daredevil, but I think people still rank it lower. And so yeah, I mean that's a that's a bad beat there. So overall for the sixth day between Valentine's and President's Day weekend, performance of the box office is down, I think significantly from last year, maybe 45% from last year. Yeah. So overall, I think it's tracking at 88 million. 
And the fir- the leading movie is Bob Marley, One Love, which did 46 million. Only has a 43 on Rotten Tomatoes, but it has a good audience score of 93. Good audience score, like 95%, yeah, or 93%. Yeah, Madam Web, uh, 13% Rotten Tomatoes, 20 to 24 million range. Oof. Argyle, bugging along, 5 million. Eesh. Dude, that movie was, a, it's a $200 million movie by Apple Studios, and it's they say it's barely going to cross 40 million. Migration, which I really want to see because I like movies about birds. Four and a half million, Wonka four million. Uh, Wonka did two hundred and ten. Yeah, so they're they're doing okay. Is it? I think two hundred and ten is like it's doing okay. I wouldn't say it's like, but I, I think it's considered a success. I mean, no, I don't know if you're if you're trying to say that Timothy Chalamet is the biggest star. I, I don't. No, I don't. I don't think that's what you you come out saying. Like, man, this guy's a movie star. But I think it's like uh, some people went to go watch this in the theater. It wasn't a total dud. But the fact that that's the best performing movie and it came out a while ago, you know, and there are really no movies coming out until uh, I guess we have um, Dune 2 coming out March 1st, also Timothy Chalamet. And March 8th, we have Kung Fu Panda 4, which I bet it's going to do well. Yeah. I, di- I didn't even know, by the way, there was a third Kung Fu Panda. So I have to catch up. You do. You do need to. As you said, there's like a dearth of big movies coming out. In fact, uh, according to Fandango, the most anticipated movie of the year is Deadpool 3 slash Deadpool Wolverine, which comes out in July. Yeah. So that's kind of concerning from a box office perspective, but maybe help is on the way with Marvel. Yes, which we'll talk about after the break. So, Mesh, I got chills when you sent this to me. Yeah, me the too. X-Men 97 trailer, which kudos to Disney+. Plus. You know, yep. I think we were talking about did Bob Iger overpay for Fox getting $71 billion for and not even getting Fox News or Fox Business or the stations or FS1, FS2, Big Ten Network. But this is why you pay $71 billion, to bring the X-Men <laughs> yeah. back into Kevin Feige's toolbox. Yeah. And Fantastic Four. So no secret that last year, 2023, was probably the first off year for the MCU, right, since it started. Yeah. A lot of mediocre, underperforming projects. Just duds, man. Yeah. I mean, aside from Guardians 3, you know, Ant-Man Quantumania didn't do well. The Marvels was the worst Marvel movie secret invasion people didn't like. No, no. It, it, It just got to the point where we're just like, what are we watching? Who do we actually care about? What's the storyline? Why is everything so convoluted? Yeah, like it's just too much. And I think there's just no good movies besides Guardians 3, which is kind of it's in its own little standalone universe. Right. And James Gunn is is no longer, you know, in the Marvel world. Exactly. So they're going back to basics. Yeah. And so that's why the the MCU didn't have with Downey out and Evans out and Hemsworth doing whatever. They need a new era of stars, I think. and, you know, unfortunate with Chadwick Boseman passing and all that. But I don't know. They have, I didn't know that they had anyone yet. And so now they're casting for Fantastic Four. But you and I both were huge fans of the X-Men yeah. original animated series yeah. from the early 90s. One of the best theme songs ever created. Theme song and topic, right? Like it was, it was an animated series, but it was like written for adults. Yeah. It dealt with substantive topics. Like I remember, you know, the first episode they're talking about humans versus mutants and political back dealing yep. and bureaucracy and hysteria and discrimination. Yeah, that's the beauty of the 90s. Yeah, there's an episode with Omega Red and the Soviet Union reforming and he's this 
I mean, there were it was like an adult show with kids' intellectual property. And for me and you, and for a lot of people, it really resonated. And so I think at the time, Marvel took a shot on making such an intelligent show for kids, but it worked out. And now Disney Plus is bringing it back, and they paid an homage to the original series with the trailer. Yeah, I mean, it seems like like Disney, Marvel, Marvel's world specifically, as we said, it's, it's having a bit of trouble, can't get its feet on the ground here. But the X-Men, you have to do this in the right thing. I mean, you said, you know, the IP coming from Fox, you have to find the right way to, like, incorporate it into the MCU. And I think having the standalone show, X-Men, introduces, like, the the version of the X-Men that we actually love. And that same Wolverine potential character that we love from, you know, the movies is coming into Deadpool, into the MCU. But the X-Men animated shows originally ran from 92 to 97. And this is technically picking up as a sixth season from where the series finale was in 1997, which is pretty cool because, like, when does that happen before? Where, like, you get to pick up from when you were a kid. Like, I'm going to be right. 40. This was when I was, like, well, I don't, I don't remember how old I was in 92. Let's call it, like... Uh, math eight nine yeah eight that's yeah. crazy that I get to like now watch a show that was made for me but now is also made for me again and and I think that that alongside the announcement of the Fantastic Four who got cast and I'm I'm looking at the cast and I'm you know I kind of nodded my head I'm like okay this seems like a solid group of folks I loved it I'm excited for X Men ninety seven it was a great show it resonates with me there's a lot of nostalgia. That's me as a fan. I don't know, you know, broadly speaking, if an animated series on X-Men is going to drive Disney Plus subscriptions or if it's just going to, you know. Nostalgia of the X-Men. Right. And maybe it sets the table for something in the future. But at the very least, I think it's a great show to put on Disney Plus. And then, as you said, in the MCU, when they're looking for who is our next anchor star, right? It's not going to be Downey. It's not going to be Evans. I think they swung for the fences. I think they hit some some home runs here personally. So on Valentine's day, Marvel teased the cast of fantastic four, which it was a franchise that was licensed to Fox. And so came over, came back into the MCU when Disney bought Fox. For those who don't know, the fantastic four is a quartet of superheroes. There's Reed Richards who can stretch. And he's like the genius. Yeah. There's Sue Storm who can turn invisible. Yep. And there's the thing who I think is kind of like the Hulk, but he doesn't get angry. Yep. But he's just like always the Hulk. Yeah. He doesn't switch back and forth. And then there's Johnny Storm who can turn into fire. Yeah. And so Fantastic Four is like a critical part of the Marvel universe. They're A level characters. And they just cast them. So Pedro Pascal Amazing. is going to be uh, Reed Richards, who, you know, fantastic choice. He's super hot right now. This guy might have the best career, right? I mean, between The Mandalorian, The Last of Us, and now The Fantastic Four. I mean, this guy's just hitting. And people don't talk about Wonder Woman 1984. The, yeah, they completely, they completely dropped that. But um, like, oh, that's not his fault. <laughs> uh, and then what's her, Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby, who... I'm a fan of. So she's going to be Sue Storm. Yeah, she was great in the Mission Impossible movies. She was in Hobbs and Shaw. She was in The Crown. I liked her in The Crown. Mm-hmm. Then Ebon Moss Barrack. From the Bear, Polly Winner, best TV show, and uh, Andor. He's going to be The Thing, which I think is a great cast casting decision. He's great. And then Joseph Quinn 
from Stranger Things and A Quiet Place is going to be Johnny Storm. Yeah, I had to look him up. And then when I saw him, uh, I remember him from Stranger Things. He was great in Stranger Things. I mean, he was the last season. I, I feel like the guy who really like stood out to everyone. So I'd say this is a solid, solid cast. It's apparently going to be taking place in the 1960s when these characters were actually originally introduced by Stan Lee and in a, an alternate universe. So we'll see what happens there. But it seems like the MCU's got some cool things happening. They're, they're bringing in these like franchises and these characters and these IP that was quite hard to like not only get a deal done, but integrate it now. And you know, the other X-Men thing I wanted to bring up is that yes, we have the animated series. Yes, we have Deadpool, Wolverine, which is going to be interesting for both of them to step into the MCU. And one thing that I didn't realize was that in the post credit scene of the Marvels, spoiler alert, they introduce Beast oh, nice. in an alternate universe played by Kelsey Grammer, the original Beast in, in the movies. And from so, the X-Men from the X-Men yeah. franchise. So, the, and then you know that we had Professor X in the, the last Doctor Strange movie. There's also mention of him in the Marvels. So now they're really kind of bringing everything together. And it is true. Is, are the X-Men, is this IP going to be the thing that really pushes the MCU to get everyone excited about this again? I hope so. Because or is it the, or is the era past its peak? You know, that's, that's the yeah, trillion, exactly. trillion we'll dollar question. It's like, we'll find out. You know, maybe yeah. they can make every decision, make great content, but maybe people are just over it to a degree. And you can do bad with those characters. I mean, it's not like the X-Men had hit after hit after hit. It's like good movie, good movie, bad movie, good movie, bad movie, bad movie. The Wolverine movies were like, well, that's the business. Know, yeah. That's the entertainment business. Yeah. Like, nothing is hit after hit after hit. Marvel was an anomaly having so many yes. successful movies in a row. This is really more kind of typical. You know, a year like last year is not, doesn't mean the world is ending. It's just kind of like Marvel is not immune to the other forces in the entertainment industry. But I didn't like, uh, I didn't hear that much about Echo either. And I know Echo was supposed to be like a different. Is that out? Yeah, it came out. Uh, yeah, see, wouldn't even know. I actually canceled my subscription because there's just not enough for stuff for me to watch. Oh, really? For now. So yeah. Echo came out in January and it was supposed to be a reset. And so I, I don't know how well it did. I see. Yeah. Well, I'll be I'll be subscribing again when when X Men '97 comes back. So I will be That's one March. of those people. March yes. 20th. I'll be one of those people who who goes back on Disney Plus for that. But let's take a break, Paul, and then we'll cut back and we'll talk about Roku and their earnings and how they're performing in the streaming world. So. Last week, we talked about how Disney, Fox, Warner Brothers are going to team up to create the super sports streaming app yep. and how streaming is a wave of the future. But I think it's one thing I think we didn't really get into this level of granularity, but streaming involves a couple of different forms of consumption. There's SVOD, which is subscription. There's AVOD, which is, you know, you watch things when you want right. and you can pick and choose and there's ads you don't have to pay and then there's fast which is a program linear channel that you don't have to pay to watch but there's a ton of ads and then there's user generated tiktok youtube stuff which doesn't really get into this ecosystem but it's also it's how people consume content on the internet you can sell ads in it so fast is a market segment that's been growing really quickly because people are you know under pressure cutting the cord they can't have 50 streaming services that they're paying for. So fast is something that you don't have to pay for. You just have to watch ads. And it's been growing. There's a couple of different fast 
offerings. So sometimes networks will have a fast product, like major networks will just take some of their older library content and repurpose it on a fast channel. A lot of device manufacturers like Samsung, LG, Roku, they have fast platforms because you know that's just a way for them. They sell devices, but really the fast platform is a billboard into your home so they can sell you ads or have you watch ads one, you're watching your TV or using your your streaming stick or whatever. And then there's a lot of networks that have bought fast platforms like Pluto and Tubi and Zumo. So fast is an area that's growing. Roku, I think, is one of the largest players in the fast ecosystem. Right. They have something like, they said that 80 million active, 80 million users active accounts at yeah. the end of 2023. Which is up 10 million. Yeah, up 10 million. And so they announced their Q4 results last week and the results were okay. Yeah. You know, their net loss was 78 million, which was 55 cents a share. But Q4 2023, they lost just under 80 million. Q4 2022, they lost 240 million. Yeah. So their loss had narrowed a yeah. lot. They're up 10 million from 70 million active users at the end of 2022 to 80 million at the end of 2023. So both of those were up. And I think the the conditions are more favorable because all these streaming products have ad tiers now. So yes. it's like you could pay seven, eight bucks a month, but you still got to watch ads. You could pay whatever it is. And so now if, if you're me and you're like, okay, Roku, I got to watch ads. But in all these other things, I have to watch ads anyway. So it's less of a deal breaker. Yeah, it's a good point. But Wall Street hammered them nonetheless. Yeah, I think they got hammered because... A lot of times when like a stock gets hammered like that, it's there's just uncertainty in the future and they're usually looking for guidance. And I think the street was like, well, you didn't really tell us like where this is going, like where you think the it was a bit iffy on the ad side. But I think Roku is making the argument that, look, everyone is moving into this like ad tier space. It's going to be common amongst all the platforms and people are potentially going to be opting in for a lower price. And so therefore, advertising is going to be moving from your traditional TV advertising. And we think those dollars are going to be moving more to streaming. And we're prepared for that in the next like, you know, couple of years that happens. Um, so we'll see. I think we'll see if that actually ends up being the case. But I buy into that argument because I've been watching, we watch on a Roku between Apple TV and Roku. And I know that every time we're watching on Amazon Prime or we're watching on like YouTube TV or whatever it might be, we are seeing ads or Hulu, we're seeing ads and we're not opting in to go ad free. You know, we're, right. we're just kind of like, forget, like kind of roll your eyes and it's not too bad. And so I do wonder, I do wonder if that, that traditional TV advertising is going to move into streaming and if everyone is essentially preparing for that. As a fan as a consumer i hope not but i think it is the way of the world right like we have a good thing and then we we get greedy and we kill it so yeah i like the fact that streaming was all ad free before the fact that it's not anymore because you know there's a chase for incremental revenue i think could end up net hurting streaming because people are i think are going to cancel but you can Maybe but you can pay Roku. more to not get ads i think is the this right, time we but, have a choice you have a choice, but it was you just paid to not get ads, right? <laughs> yeah, now yeah, it's like yeah. you pay more to not get ads. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, how much? <laughs> yeah, I see your point. Yes, right. So <laughs> it, I don't know. I feel like the ad, you can't escape ads. I mean, there's ads in this show, right? Which yeah. I actually don't mind. Yeah. I like our ads. But 
I thought the results were fine. Growth in users, narrowing their revenue loss, but to have your stock fall 23% the next day, I just think that's a brutal reaction. It's definitely a brutal reaction. I mean, these things, we'll see if it corrects. I mean, it could have been like an initial reaction and, and something like volatile. Second worst day ever in Roku's trading. Yeah, and I, and I wonder if there was just maybe a buildup and, and you know a, a correction like this happens and then things kind of stable out over the next the course of the next few weeks or even months. But it is interesting because I think at the end of the day, it's a business model issue. Like no matter what, yes, as a consumer, we want no ads, but then we have to pay for subscriptions. And then we have all these subscriptions that we have to pay for. And the streaming platforms are like, man, there's still so much money from the advertisers that we're leaving on the table. And the growth on streaming is just not hitting the numbers that we need. And it just makes sense that, well, we got to bring in advertisers again because they're willing to pay. And now we have both both models there. So we're just back where we're back, you know, and now we're just, uh, instead of, honestly, I do kind of just miss the days of scrolling through a TV and knowing what I'm going to get. Well, you can do that on fast. I mean, fast is linear program content. It's maybe not new and like fresh content. Some of it will be, I mean, there will be a time where people make original content for fast platforms. I just, I can see that happening, but I don't know how much it's not going to be the best content. Yeah. But generally speaking, like if you wanted to watch episodes of Westworld, right? You could do that on fast. Like there's a lot of decent content on fast. You just have to sit through ads and you can do it in a way where you don't have to think, right? You can just like scroll and it's programmed for you. So YouTube TV, I've noticed that and I've noticed it on on Peacock. And those are both, S, those are both, well, YouTube TV is a VMVPD. Peacock, so whether it's SVOD or VMVPD, I think is a gray area, but those you pet you have to pay for where right, fast right. is free. Yeah, because like on the Samsung TV, you have access to that where you can kind of just flip through the channels in, in the traditional way. Right. Well, let's yeah. see. I mean, this is the game. Everyone's honestly, like if you look at everyone's numbers, obviously some people are profitable like a but Netflix, but the losses are narrowing on streaming. So just for the businesses themselves, you know, you get to a point now where you bring the losses down, but you're still in competition with everyone else. So it's still going to be a grind for everyone. As always, good breakdowns, Paul. I'm looking forward to X-Men. I can't wait to watch it. Looking forward to Dune as well. And uh, I'll be watching Kung Fu Panda 4. I'll be there for Deadpool 3. I'll be there for Deadpool 3 too. But that's our show, everyone. Hope everyone has a great week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you choose to listen. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, at Better Call Paul, the podcast. Follow me on X at Mesh Lakani, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Better Call Paul is produced and edited by Valentino Rivera and assistant producer Lisa Sanders. <laughs>